Friends, let us pray, and then we will study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, just when you think that it would be impossible for our country to be any more divided, throw in a pandemic and then let everybody decide when to reopen things back up. Tomorrow, Florida begins phase one of our reopening plan, and some people are really, really excited about it. They want to go to restaurants, they want to go shopping, they want to be around other people, they want to get out of their house. So does everybody else. But they just don't think it's quite time yet. And since we're all stuck at home and everybody's starting to go a little stir-crazy, the internet has come to our aid And it allows us to express our unfiltered opinions about anything and everything without having to think at all about the consequences of our words or actions or the impact that they're going to have on other people. One thing seems to be relatively consistent. It's kind of like how we all become experts in gymnastics during the Olympics. Suddenly many of us feel uniquely qualified to address public health and safety issues plaguing our nation and the world. We know just enough to be dangerous and not quite enough to be helpful. Today, I'd like to spend a little time thinking about what we can do and not what we can't do which makes the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians the perfect place to start. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he was in prison in Rome. When you're in prison, there's a whole lot of things that you cannot do. So Paul takes some time in his letter to address those things that you can. So then, putting away falsehood, Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Never more in the lifetime of almost all of us has that reality that we are members of one another been more true. Paul, of course, was talking about the membership in the body of Christ, of believers, but here lately, we are, going, we are beginning to understand that we are all in this together. We're all fighting the same thing. And if we're all members of one another, then Paul says we can speak truth to our neighbors. So what are some truths that you can share with your neighbors during these days? Well, you can share the truth that drinking a bottle of bleach is not going to protect you from coronavirus. I pray that most of your neighbors already know that. But actually, there's a greater truth that your neighbors need to hear in these days. That truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And many of our neighbors 
are awash in a sea of hopelessness right now. They feel isolated, anxious, fearful, frustrated. Many of the same things that we might be feeling. They need good news. And we have good news to give in Jesus. You can share the truth that in this world we will have trouble, but Jesus has already overcome the world. And this is the same Jesus who overcame the world that promised us that where he is, there we will also be. And that he is preparing a place for us. And until that place is ready, he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of God with us. So you can tell your neighbor that Jesus endured hardship and pain, and he is a God who understands our trials. But I want to caution you, brothers and sisters, that while it is good to speak the truth of Jesus to your neighbors, it is even better to demonstrate the love of Christ for them. Show up with a casserole for the widower. Make it a point to walk your dog by the window of your elderly neighbor each day. If you can afford it, go ahead and buy a few extra rolls of toilet paper for that single mom down the street who is barely hanging on. Be on the lookout for ways to share the hope that you have in Jesus in tangible ways, not only to those who need to hear the good news, but those that need to see it as well. You can speak the truth to your neighbors. Another thing that you can do, yes, you can do, is be angry. Paul writes, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. If you heard my sermon last week, you know that disappointment is a real thing. And so is anger. I told you last week that I was disappointed to lose my sabbatical, but I was also angry. Really, really angry. And the craziest part about anger in these days is that it's really hard to be clear about who you're angry towards and what you're angry about because it could be a lot of things. The scripture doesn't seem to indicate, though, that it matters. It says you can be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't make room for the devil. You can have anger, but you can't let it define you. Because once it defines you, then it will define your actions. Remember that it only takes one letter to go from anger to danger. So it's important that you don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that may require some professional help in addition to some personal prayer. Mental health is a serious concern, and there is nothing wrong with a both-end approach to prayer and professional guidance. 
Paul also reminds us that we can work. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Now, I want to be clear about this. There are people in our own congregation, there are people who are watching this morning who have lost their jobs in this time. And while it's possible that Paul can be addressing employment, there are other kinds of valuable work. Growing food in a garden is work. Baking bread to share with your neighbor is work. Running to the pharmacy for someone who cannot is work. Paul pushes us to actions that contribute, not just things that take and consume. It's amazing and very sad how quickly scammers came out in force once the IRS started sending out stimulus checks. Stealing the money of others is not honest work. And we can all find work to be doing in these days that contributes to the community, even if it does not include monetary compensation. Just as there are things that we can do with our hands, there are things that we can do with our voices. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give give grace to those who hear. Have you ever thought about yourself as a giver of grace? There's probably never been a time in your own personal history that is better than right this moment to be giving out grace and building others up. At the Lee House, I've had to stop watching the news It has actually become draining to continually hear about who's at fault, who's doing it wrong, how bad it is, and who are we going to blame for this. Everyone agrees the last few months have been really rough. And more than ever, we need to be gentle with each other's souls. I have found that the only things that are really worthy of my time during these days are things that offer solutions and vision and hope. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm well aware that we have a crisis, a pandemic, a life-altering time. We all know that. But what can we say that is going to be life-giving, that builds other people up, that is encouraging, and that is hopeful? Those, those are the words that are worth speaking often and generously. And we can do that. And to do that, we're going to have to put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Remember how a few minutes ago we were talking about what can happen when we let our anger consume us and we let it define us. That's where bitterness and wrath have fertile soil to grow. And left unchecked, that can turn to malice and slander. Let's see how quickly that can happen. Governor DeSantis announced that Florida would be reopening on Monday tomorrow, 
And as I said earlier, some of us agree with that, and some of us are adamantly opposed to it. But then there are some who are going as far as to say that our governor just wants people to die. Well, I've never met our governor, and I know very little about him. But is it true? Is it true? Is it life-giving? Is it upbuilding to say that he wants people to die? I mean, is he really sitting up there in his office in Tallahassee saying, yes, it is my desire for people to die? I would sincerely hope not. But for someone to make the claim without proof is not only not helpful, it is dangerous. So instead of wasting our time on what is unhelpful and what is dangerous, we can spend those words on what is hopeful and what is true. And what remains true is that God is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul writes, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. God has not abandoned us nor forsaken us, but instead assured us of his presence with us until Jesus returns. He's going to go the distance with us. With that hope in mind, we can, we can be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let me speak for a minute to those of you who are living in a house right now with another person or two or three or eight persons. We are on day 1100 billion and 16 of quarantine, and everybody is tired of this. It's getting boring. Nerves are frayed. Tensions are high. And for those of you with kids at home, believe me, I know they are over it. By the way, so are their teachers, both their real ones and their new homeschool ones. And part of the frustration is consistently having to say no. No, we can't go to the mall. No, we can't go to school. No, we can't go to sports practices. No, you cannot go and play with your friends. So what I want to encourage you to do is to find a way and say as many yeses as possible. Yes, you can stay up a little later. Yes, you can ride your bike. Yes, you can have a bowl of ice cream. Yes, you can build a fort. Yes, you can read a little longer. Yes, I would love to listen to your corny joke. Yes, I will help you fold the laundry. Yes, we can watch your television show tonight. And churches, those yeses, they're for all of us, not just for the kids. The more you can reasonably say yes the more that you're going to find it easier to forgive one another during these stressful times. Tender hearts are born out of flexible souls. And right now, flexibility is absolutely necessary from each one of us. Model your yes 
after Jesus, who was God's yes to all of humanity when we stood in need of forgiveness and grace. His yes to you set you free. And now you have the ability to do that for others. As we move into phase one tomorrow, rather than divide ourselves, let's be unified in the things that Scripture affirms that we can do. We can speak truth. We can be angry as long as we don't let it define us. We can trust that God is with us. We can work and contribute in meaningful ways to our community. We can forgive one another and be givers of grace. We can be tender-hearted, and we can be kind. If we really focus on what we can do, we won't have a lot of time to dwell in those things that we can't do. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen.